whoever is listening, guys, welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann, and welcome to episode 143 of the Man with the Plan podcast. You may recognize the face and the name from this show. Back in the summer, we did a Clemson football preview series, and one of those opponents was Florida State. And today, we have Kurt Weil of the Osceola back once again. We talked about potentially joining forces for a Clemson-Florida State preview when we could actually have some football to talk about. So, Kurt, welcome back. A lot's changed since we last spoke. Yeah, no doubt. I, I color me. I, I would not have believed you if you told me Clemson would be unranked for this uh, for entering this game this weekend for sure. Yeah, so I think just from the very start, I just want to do our FSU check-in. So FSU's in the top five. Uh, Mike Norvell's got his guys rolling. They had a little bit of a scare at Boston College, but I think I chalked that up to they're up 31 to 10 on the road. Boston College had a little bit of a surge. So can you just take me through what the energy is like in ta- in uh, Florida, Florida State right now? Um, I definitely think it's it's anxious. I think, I mean, coming out of that LSU game in particular, and even kind of what they did the next week in Southern Miss, there was confidence going into the uh, – the 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 Clemson game of just like I mean we've looked better than Clemson so far and I think that's that's changed a little within the fan base just of like oh well that was that was kind of scary and obviously I mean you're not going to play at a consistently high high level all year long there are going to be those weeks where where things happen where breaks go against you I mean breaks definitely went against Florida State in that way some mistakes some other other otherwise but no I definitely think it's uh it, it has it has brought the fan base back down to earth a little bit where I think uh the kind of before last weekend, there was definitely a sense of a steadfast belief that, hey, I think this is a playoff team, just from especially what they did against LSU. And I think last week kind of showed you, hey, if they don't bring it week in and week out, there there are plenty of games on the schedule that they can lose. Yeah, and this ACC looks a little more competitive than I think I initially believed. You got Duke, who, well, like like we already, we said a little bit, they upset Clemson uh, earlier in the month, and they're in the top 25, uh, Miami's, beat Texas A&M there and there too. Clemson, while unranked, there's still a formidable challenge. Florida State in the top five. Uh, the, the conference is wide open, and I think FSU stands at the top of that uh, of the totem pole right now heading into late September. But I think the big story for a lot of fans outside of the Florida State world is Jordan Travis, and he hurt his shoulder against Boston College. I believe he played the rest of the way, but there's any update that you could provide the audience as he – heads into this game against Clemson. Is there anything Seminole fans should be concerned about or maybe Clemson fans thinking, oh, maybe we can get a weaker Jordan Travis? No. So he he did play the entire second half um, and, and he's practiced all week. I mean, we talked to him today. We wouldn't normally talk to a guy if he, he wasn't going to be set up to play. So, I mean, it seemed, I mean, Mike, Mike Norvell said on Monday, I don't expect kind of any lingering health concerns for Jordan. And that's kind of been the case as the week checked out. So Clemson's not going to quite catch that break. And that would be quite a break. <laughs> yeah. I, I think in my mind, I'm thinking I want to see Florida state at their best coming to Clemson. So there's no, if Clemson ends up coming out winning on on Saturday afternoon, there's no asterisk or no, but and the same sure. thing goes for Florida state, especially given the state of these two teams. But um, we, we had this conversation in the summer about what we'd expect from both programs. So I want to now do some impressions. What has been your impression of FSU so far? What's impressed you that maybe wasn't on your radar and maybe what are some areas of concern heading into game four? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, what, what's impressed me is kind of what I expect to be. I've been impressed by the offense. I mean, they had the lull there in the, in the second half of that Boston college game. Like you said, after they got up 31, 10, 
But I think there was a stat. I think I saw a stat that uh, before that lull, before they didn't score in their final, what, four or five, four, probably four series against Boston College. I think they'd scored touchdowns or scored on 17 of their last 20 drives or something like that. I mean, this offense is what we thought it was. And it's, it is kind of, I mean, having so many weapons, having an experienced offensive line that's done a good job of keeping Jordan Travis upright. Uh, I mean, and Ken Coleman's, I think what we thought he was, you've seen the the potential for a next step from someone like Johnny Wilson, even if he, he struggled against other miss, he bounced back really well last, last week. I'll tell you, we haven't really seen Trey Benson be Trey Benson yet. I mean, the guy we saw last year, I think you saw him some in that Clemson game last year. We have not really seen that Trey Benson yet this season. We haven't feel, felt like we've uh, gotten him rolling. And obviously that won't be easy for, per se, to do against Clemson with the strength of their defensive line and linebacker crew. Uh, looking at the other side of the ball, I've been impressed overall with the defensive line. I think, I mean, frankly, a, a big story for this game. Florida State's done pretty well at stopping running backs. Florida State has not done great at stopping mobile quarterbacks. And Thomas Castellanos at BC was a big part of that. He had a, a few design runs and a few scrambles where he he picked up some big yards last year. I think he ran for – he was over 100 yards, I think, before he took a, a sack or two late in that game. But uh, he was – it was uh, pretty pretty remarkable what he did, and that kind of showed something. I think the, the secondary also had some issues. I know uh, Clemson's skilled position talent isn't maybe what it was in the peak years, but if if we see those coverage busts, misassignment type things show up again, that that is something that I mean, it may not matter how good the skill positions are if they're if they're wide open. Yeah, and we we specifically talked about this stretch of four games in June about we're going to learn a lot about these teams in such a short period of time. Like we, we for example, you maybe have a team like Ole Miss who's kind of hanging around in the top twenty five. They get their yeah. test with Alabama this weekend, so you really have learned a lot in these first three weeks, and you usually don't get that sometimes depending on the scheduling. So I'd love to get your take on, we talked about Jordan Travis and maybe we start a Heisman watch here on this campaign. Where is he really lined up within his expectations, how he came into the season? What's blown me away from him is his continued development as a passer and just the ability of, you can't get this guy down. He's able to make so many plays that just leave your jaw on the floor. I'm really excited to see how Wes Goodwin's defense attacks Jordan Travis and tries to keep him inside because he's the most dangerous when he's using his legs to make plays. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, Jordan Jordan has feel like has tried to not kind of do run like downfield as much. I think it's somewhat self-preservation knowing, I mean, I can't help the team if I'm not out there. But I think it's also a bit of, I mean, wanting to prove himself as a passer. But but you're right, whether he takes off or whether he just keeps the play alive. I mean, there have been quite a few plays where, I mean, frankly, it was the same last year, where it looked like he was dead to rights. And he just kind of, I mean, the, he makes some ridiculous play and escapes a, a pocket. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a player two this weekend where the Clemson fan base gets loud. They think that's a sack. And I know <laughs> I've seen Jordan Travis know what they think is a sack, what looks like a sack, could very well not be a sack with a, with how athletic he is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think by no means is the the highs of a bandwagon derailed. I think, I mean, what he did, especially in the second half of that LSU game, I think he threw, what, four touchdowns? And uh, and and only one interception and quite a bit of yards in that LSU game. I think that I mean showed he he was worthy of being in conversation. I think he's not at the top of the list right now. You look at what some other guys have done, but I think truthfully, a lot of the Heisman often comes down to what they do in the big moments, and that's I mean this weekend is one of the few left where you're circling as like I mean that's a game that that even if it's not a ranked matchup, it's two real good teams. It's I mean a game that a lot of people are watching, especially alone in the like not alone but the big game of the noon slate, not, not going up against one of those other games. So, I mean, 
the opportunity is there for him this weekend. It's not something he especially concerns himself with. I mean, his line he always defers to is, I could throw for no yards, and if the team wins the game, I'll be happy. So it's not about that for him, but he's uh, he's acquitted himself well enough where like he's by no means out of the race. Yeah, and Jordan Travis, certainly all eyes will be on him. All eyes in orange will be on him, making sure he can't spoil anybody's day in Death Valley. But for Clemson, and I think that we we talk about program expectations in June. We talked about what this Clemson team was going to look like. And while I thought Duke was going to be a nice challenge to start the year, I certainly didn't expect Clemson to take a shotgun to their foot to kick off the season opener. But what, what's been your impression of Clemson so far? This new offense certainly has put up the numbers, but in certain situations, at least for me, it's the routine execution that's really been this team's worst enemy. Uh, when you look at pedaling on your back, on back foot with a pick six against Charleston Southern, whether it's fumbling twice within the five-yard line of the goal line, miscues with the field goal team. You've probably heard about Clemson's new field goal kicker yep. coming in. Uh Taking online classes on Monday, playing Florida State on Saturday, pretty normal thing for the uh, college football world to uh, experience. So what's been your impression of this 2020 ver- 2023 version of Clemson? Yeah, I, I, I watched, I, I'll say I haven't watched a ton of the last two games because, I mean, I've also been covering games those days. And obviously, I think in both those situations, you take certain things with a grain of salt. I mean, obviously, I think Mike, Mike Norvell said Monday, and I think if you look at it, it kind of does bear out. The last six quarters, they've started to look like Clemson a little more in terms of offensively, in terms of the scoreboard, and I think in terms of defensively too. Now, with that, I, I would I would bet that Clemson fans aren't entirely buying it until they see it against. I mean, not even a, a Florida State caliber team, but I mean even a even a NC State or someone like that. You know, just like a team that like is in your stratosphere. So yeah, I think a. It's interesting. I mean, this is a heck of a, a, a litmus test. I I wasn't sure they'd be challenged either. I kind of thought coming into the year, like, this would be the first real test for Clemson. I I thought Duke might give him a bit of a game. I don't think anybody saw what was going to happen happening in that game, obviously. And there were some circumstances on both sides, though. I mean, Duke made some mistakes, too, that kind of let Clemson into that game and had him have the lead at halftime. So, yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know what to make of that offensive line. I know, I mean, I, I was looking at PFF this week, and they have allowed – the most pressures in the ACC and they haven't exactly played the best competition. I mean, Florida state flat, I think half as many pressures and they, they had played in LSU that, that Clemson hasn't. Cade uh, Klubnik. I, I, my thing with Cade is kind of, it feels like when he gets under pressure, he doesn't handle it very well is frankly. And that's not unfamiliar. That's not, it's not surprising for a, a younger quarterback. I mean, he's only a redshirt freshman. But it could be a problem this weekend. And, I mean, if, if uh, it feels like it might have to be a, a run-heavy day because I am curious how how much passing game, how much, I mean, how much time he'll have and what he's able to do with his wide receivers in the passing game. Yeah, and I think what Garrett Riley's been able to do so far that's been effective, at least in, you mentioned these, these six-quarter stretch, the that Clemson looks like Clemson, is that the routes are very quick. It's 10 to 15 yards. It gives Club Nick plenty of options. I mean, we've had some reporting on TigerIllustrated.com where we have these screenshots of everybody's open. I mean, the scheme for Riley, we're wondering, how's it going to look? It's certainly, in all, to put it bluntly, it works. It's just about the execution within said play to make it happen. And Club Nick's been up and down, but we'll see. This really is his largest examination as a quarterback for Clemson. So it'll be a big measuring stick moving forward. 
for that. But where do you see this game? It's maybe an X factor that you're watching or reporting that you guys have done at the Osceola where you're thinking no one's really talking about this specific position group versus this position group. Maybe it's offensive line or defensive line. Maybe it's the battle of the back seven or something like that. Is there a matchup that you're really looking forward to getting into once this game kicks off? Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, I do think Clemson, it's going to be about how well can Clemson run the ball. And I think that's that's going to be, I mean, what what I think they're going to have to do to stay in the game. They didn't actually, I mean, they ran for less than four yards of carry in last year's game. DJU kind of was was shockingly good in that game with uh, some of the throws he made. I mean, he had some open guys, but he 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 made some throws he didn't make a lot a lot, lot rest of the time last season in that game. And that was really, I think, a big part of last year. But I'm curious. I think the run game is going to have to play a bigger role for Clemson this year. And I'm curious how Clemson's DBs. I mean, the the the, the secondary has been vaunted. I know talking to you in the offseason, you were high on Nate Wiggins as a guy who really came on last year into this year. How do they stack up against, I mean, a 6'7 Johnny Wilson and a 6'4 Keon Coleman, who is kind of, I mean, especially saw in the LSU game, how good he is at contested catches. I know he uh, he says, his his quote is always, to me, they're not 50-50 balls, they're 80-20 they're balls or something to that effect. And that's, that's kind of what he says. But uh, no, I think that's, I mean, that's a big thing for me because I think Florida State is going to take shots and Florida State is going to test the secondary that probably hasn't faced this good a passing attack yet this season. I mean, Riley Leonard I like, but I don't know what you make of those Duke receivers. So, yeah, no, I'm curious uh, how that secondary that I think has performed well on the whole handles its toughest test of the season. Yeah, I could expect Florida State early on to try to take a deep shot to get a, what hopefully can be a energetic Clemson crowd that they can replicate the uh, energy from FAU on Saturday night. But I could see Norvell and Travis saying, hey, we got to get this this crowd out of it. It's an early kickoff. You can really deject some some fans, if you can get a maybe a potential Keon Coleman touchdown earlier, Johnny Wilson touchdown, just assert your dominance on the road. Yeah, no, it's an interesting time, I'm sure. I mean, you might have a better idea than me. The Clemson fan base. I mean, I wonder what the mood there is because, yeah, I do feel like, I don't know if one touchdown would do it, but I think if Clemson got in an early, like, 10, 14-point hole, I wonder how that crowd responds because I'm sure there are still lingering thoughts of what happened back in week one and of, like, I like what I've seen the last few weeks, but I don't really buy it until I see it in a in a game that matters, in a game that we have a realistic chance of losing. So, yeah, I think uh, I'm interested. Yeah, I mean, can Florida State do that? I mean, that talk about uh, 10 years ago, that 2013 game up there, that was a key part of it for Florida State was scoring, early, getting the early turnover, scoring early, just kind of, I mean, I know Clemson was trying to break like a sound record, I think, for a stadium that night. <laughs> And Florida State pretty quickly quieted that game, and that definitely set the tone for what followed in that. Not that I expect this game to to go that way by any means, at least <laughs> not to that extreme, but for sure. Yeah, that that one is certainly one Clemson fans want to erase from memory. But I, I just want to throw this at you, Kirk, and kind of get into this theme of because I I feel like for this game there's really a underlying storyline that goes beyond the football field. I just want to throw a couple things at you. This is the first time that Clemson is a home underdog at home since Lamar Jackson played Deshaun Watson in 2016. I think Florida State's up by, I think, two and a half is the line. So, I mean, it's close. That's but right. It, I remember that game. I remember that game in 2016. Yes. And um, I think this is the first time. It, this is Clemson's 25 straight ACC wins at home is on the line as well against mm-hmm. probably the best team they've played at home since that Lamar Jackson-Louisville team you could make the argument for. But – Beyond all that, I think that a lot of people, and I can hear it in my brain, people are clamoring me to want to talk about this specific aspect of this game. 
But I think this is a unique example in college football of two separate philosophies within specifically the transfer portal. You got one with Mike Norvell where you erase Colorado and what they did in USC where it's almost a roster overhaul. They have been one of the top three schools to attack the transfer portal the right way and really have success off of it. I mean, Jaheim Bell and Keon Coleman combined for six touchdowns on the year already, already making an impact, beating teams like LSU who are a potential playoff favorite. And you have Clemson who has the one transfer in Paul Tyson where many Clemson fans aren't going to count that as using the portal to what they probably hope for. So for you, what do you make of that potential storyline of regardless of who wins, are these two programs in this almost fork in the road of this is how the old way is versus this is the new shiny way of of attacking the college football offseason? Yes, yeah, I mean, this feels like a, a pretty big game in that in that facet for for Dabo from a standpoint of he has pretty staunchly, I mean, stood in the way of saying, I know how things are happening. I see this. I understand that most people are using the portal. That's not the Clemson way. And I think, I mean, it was a big narrative coming out of that Duke game of, well, you sure could have used a Keon Coleman. I mean, it was like the night after what Keon Coleman did. And it's like, who knows if Keon Coleman would have gone to Clemson, but Dabo wasn't going to explore that option. And I mean, imagine what he could do for that Clemson team. But I mean, Dabo's been pretty adamant. And, and he's had to listen to, I'm sure, a lot of Florida State hype this offseason. I mean, like you said, first time in a long time, they are not favored on their home field. If Dabo managed to win this game, I think it would be a big game for a standpoint of my way can still succeed. I heard all that about Florida State. I heard all that about the portal. Look what we did to the portal team. I mean, the kind of the, the team that's probably had the most sustained portal success at a high level over the last seasons. I, I will say, I don't think Mike Norrell wants to use the portal to the degree he had to long-term. I think that was just, I mean, it, it creates a new way to rebuild a roster quickly. I mean, we've, we've seen what Deion Sanders, Deion really... Mike may have done something like Dion did, or at least closer to that if he'd had that capability when he took over. The rules weren't in effect yet. But no, I think, uh, yeah, it, it is an interesting game. I think more for, for, for I, I think, don't get me wrong, Mike would like to get the monkey off his bat. I mean, Clemson, after he beat Miami, he beat Florida last year. Clemson's kind of the looming one that he hasn't beaten yet in, in two tries. So he uh, he would definitely uh, want want it would mean something to him but it might mean more to Dabo just from what I what I was talking about yeah I have a I would really thankfully would be able to be present for it win or loss but I would love to hear his immediate because I know and not to get into like this discussion or trying to speak for anybody but this has been a large question looming this program for a couple years of hey are you going to adapt and choose this new way or is the old way just for you and so far, I mean, depending on who you ask, it's been this this way has worked for Clemson. And this has been one of those years where early on that discussion has started. So to me, this feels like this is one of those games in college football for all fans to look at. Of You could not run it more differently. And you're going to see those two ideas clash on Saturday. It's going to become some like, to some people, not to everybody, but to some people, it's going to become this like overarching, like stick, like, road fork in the road type moment where some people are like, well, maybe the portal's not here to stay if if Dabo won. And if Mike wins, it's like, see, Dabo was wrong. And it's 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 going to become this big uh, referendum that maybe it shouldn't be, but he, to some people. But yeah, I know it's a, it, it is a, it is, I mean, the pretty most striking example we've seen of that for sure. I mean, where it feels like for the first time, Florida State's on even footing, I guess, even a, a little above being favored as a, a road favorite in this game. 
Yeah, and I guess it really beyond that, and I, you don't want to overreact to of being like, oh man, Dabo's way doesn't work anymore. Like this is the end of the Clemson way. He has to do this. Like it has to be this way from now on. But it certainly would be an interesting point in this program's history under Sweeney's tenure of a time where there was an option to improve the team and he chose to go his way, which to be fair has been widely successful so far. Well, for a guy who's largely run the ACC since yeah. Florida State fell off, with except for that one year, I mean, I'm not going to say that that Clemson would be out of ACC contention with two losses before the end of September, but they have to win out to have any chance and have some stuff kind of go their way. So, yeah, I mean, it would be an interesting spot for Clemson to be in. Yeah, so before we get into the like final pieces of this podcast, I would love to hear from you from an FSU perspective. You talk about getting that monkey off of – Norvell's back with beating Clemson. What would it mean? What would a win in Death Valley on Saturday, triumphant or just getting out of there with a win? What would that mean for this Florida State team moving forward as they move to October? I mean, in the in the scope of this season, it would be kind of what we thought was the two big hurdles going in, and like we like we talked about earlier, there are some things later on where I don't think Miami is going to be. It is a home game, but I don't think Miami is going to be as easy as you thought it was going to be. Florida looks like it's showing signs of life. Duke will be an interesting game. That's in October in, in Doe Campbell Stadium. But you'll be through, I mean, you'll be through October with the best case scenario of 4-0 in your very tough, very front-loaded schedule. And that would be, I mean, if, frankly, I think if Florida State takes care of business, I've pretty widely going into this week kind of at, since LSU, seen them among like a playoff pick. It feels good almost it wouldn't cement them as a playoff pick, but would cement them in the projections at this moment when you're just looking at, I mean, what the schedule looks like. And with the fact that I mean it's entirely possible if Florida State wins this game, it won't be a Clemson rematch in in Charlotte. I mean, Clemson, a lot of things would have to go Clemson's way to make that happen. Maybe it'd be someone else. But uh, it would be, I mean, it would be the the surest sign. I mean, I think the a big thing Mike Norbell hasn't done yet is, I mean kind of reclaim the ACC crown, show he's good on that level, maybe even more. And it would it would be a big step towards ma- making that happen. Yeah, and I think regardless of what happens on Saturday, there's going to be a lot of eyes watching and a lot of storylines. But before we wrap up, Kurt, you might be saving us a final score prediction, but for our audience, do you want to give us maybe an insight to what you're thinking as to a final prediction or why Florida State could potentially take this one? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I do. I feel it's hard to ignore. I mean, the 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 what's what's happened through through three weeks, and obviously, I think last week, I think a, a week ago, I was thinking, if I'm being honest, before Boston College in the neighborhood of like a 38-21, I wasn't sure Clemson would be able to keep up. I'm I don't think I'm going to that extreme yet, but I do think Florida State could win. I think Florida State could win by the neighborhood of seven to ten points. I think that's that's about where I'm leaning now. Just from I mean, I think. Uh, I'm not sure Clemson's strengths line up well with Florida State. I think, I mean, if they're able to get pressure, which I expect them to with guys like Jared Verse and with who they have a defensive tackle and Patrick Payton, from all I've seen from Kate, I'm not sure he's going to be able to operate. And we'll see if Clemson can run the ball into a loaded box, if Florida State's loading the box for them. And uh, I'm not – I think Clemson's defense is good, but I don't think this is a – I mean, I'm not convinced this is a – what what they had when they had Trevor Lawrence, when they had Deshaun level defense all across. I know there's some really good pieces. I'm not sure it's that type of like top three in the in the country collective unit that can stop stop Florida State enough to uh keep their offense in the game. So there you have it from Kurt Weiler, good friend of the show, good friend of this rivals network in this series that we've been doing. 
Kurt, I hope we potentially get a, a third podcast preview potentially down the road in Charlotte if that ends up being the, the both these teams' destinies. But, Kurt, you have any final thoughts before we wrap up today? No, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to do this again if it comes together in Charlotte for sure. And if Florida State ends up making the playoffs, I'll be asking for you anyway. So hey, you, hey, you, you can't I, get. I will do that. I will do whatever podcast you want from covering a playoff team. <laughs> can't get rid of me that soon. But Kurt, that'll be Kurt Wilde, the Osceola. I'll be linking his Twitter down in the description so you can follow him and what he'll be doing leading up to game day coverage. Guys, thank you as always. Subscribe for more and leave us a five star review so you know, so I know that you are enjoying what we are putting out guys thank you as always enjoy the episode thank you for having me as a part of your day and just take care